We are the co-hosts of Vintage Homicide, Miss Mayday and Ruby Wild. We are a true crime podcast that focuses on historic cases and the investigative techniques and forensic science, which were used long before DNA became the focus of crime scene investigation. We are forensic scientists ourselves who love and live the vintage lifestyle, and we hope to cover cases that you most likely have never heard of, the forgotten infamous as well as the little known. How developments in science and changes in law impacted future crime-solving methods to this day. So if you like dad jokes, history, forensics, and true crime, we are the podcast for you. Come along and join us along our journey of vintage homicide. Crime Scenes and Cupcakes is a true crime investigative podcast. We discuss cases regarding the assault, murder, sexual assault, or cases involving the abuse or abduction of adults or children. These topics can be very disturbing and a trigger to many individuals, so please listen accordingly. If you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, help is available. You can text, call, or chat 988. This is available 24-7. It is also available in multiple languages for anyone who needs mental health-related or suicide crisis support. It can connect you with trained crisis counselors. Also, if you are in Wichita, there is a local crisis center. Call 316-660-7500. Guys, it's Marianne, Dog Mom, Baker, True Crime Podcast Maker. I threw this podcast together rather hastily, so please bear with me. I promise I'm going to make it an interesting listen. I've always believed in preventative care. We seem to live in a more reactive society, leaving a small fire that could easily be managed with just a cup of water and waiting until it rages out of control into a forest fire that's taking out towns behind it. Preventative medicine isn't the only thing out there that we can also utilize. We can also diagnose danger signs. Those who give off more than just red flags those who are sounding alarm bells to everyone around them, while those people who try to warn all the others of the danger around them. In this day and age of TikTok, Reddit, and other rampant social media, there are ways to warn others not only of sketchy, scammy behaviors, but also those people that leave behind documentation, receipts, whatever you want to call it, that others post as proof. But some people call those exposers out as bullies, picking on someone who obviously has mental health issues. However, there are some people that are so much more than what we would call a scammer. There are people that are walking alarm bells reminding us of crimes that have occurred in the past and the potential damage that this person could be capable of. This is the reason I want to bring your attention to a specific TikToker who 
right now has kind of become infamous at the moment. The gossip reached my For You page at first and I wasn't quite sure why because at first glance it wasn't true crime and it sure as hell wasn't dog related. So I was wondering why Allie Burroughs from Canada was on my TikTok. And as my thumb kind of scrolled above whether or not I was going to push the page forward, it kind of got my attention. And as the story began to unfold, it reminded me of so many other stories from the past. Because this wasn't just a scammer. Yeah, she's faked over 40 other accounts. Allie has lied about some really serious things. She's faked pictures of domestic violence. She's lied about an encounter where she was kidnapped and raped. She's falsified multiple cancers and a huge amount of other health conditions for funding. And she's claimed to have five kids in her care but recorded random other people's children and said they were hers, but it was proven she didn't even know who those kids were. She stole other people's ultrasound pictures and also their pregnancy tests. She's faked having baby bumps and she also faked her own death. You look at all of this and you say, this is someone who is terribly unwell. I look at this and I see someone who will stop at nothing to get a child she so desperately craves. Fetal abductions are rare, but they do occur. In the United States, there has been 21 cases since 1987. I couldn't find the statistics for Canada of those, 19 resulted in the mother's death. Nine of those resulted in the death of the fetus. This is not a new crime, but social media has made it so much easier for the person who's looking for a baby or a pregnant single mom as a target so much easier to locate. However, it's also made it so much easier for us social media detectives to identify those people who could be a danger. One thing I would like to state, if you are a fan of Big Mad True Crime and Heather Ashley, as I am, you will never forget this one statistic. In the United States, women are more likely to be murdered during or after pregnancy than to die of any childbirth-related disorder. That's right, homicide is the leading cause of death in pregnant women. So I want to take a moment and talk about the case of Bobby Joe Stennett. Bobby Joe Stennett was born on December 4, 1981 and graduated from Nottaway Holt High School in Graham, Missouri in 2000. She married her high school sweetheart, Zeb, and the young couple were expecting their first child. Together, they operated a rat terrier breeding business called Happy Haven Farms. 
She also had a part-time job at Kawasaki Motors at a nearby manufacturing plant. But Bobby Joe's passion was raising dogs. Now my son has a rat terrier, so I know how wonderful those dogs can be. His dog is named Dexter, and there's a whole story behind that. We won't get into it. Most of our free time was spent raising the rat terriers and entering them into dog show events. The soon-to-be mom was also active in online forums and doing everything for rat terriers. She was particularly a part of a group called Ratter Chatter. Now, unlike today's crowded Facebook groups and subreddits, Ratter Chatter was more of a tight-knit group. And the group met lots of fellow rat terrier enthusiasts. They exchanged useful, useful information and personal experiences with the breed. They were all really close. And through that group, she met a woman named Darlene Fisher. Darlene was also interested in purchasing a dog from one of Bobby Joe's litters. They arranged to meet at the Senate's residence on the day of her murder. That was the last time anyone from the online community ever heard from Bobby Joe. On the afternoon of December 16th, Becky, Bobby Joe's mother, visited her home. The door was unlocked, but that's not an uncommon thing in a small town like Skidmore, which only had about 250 people. However, Becky sensed something was really wrong. Now again, Bobby Joe ran the small business from her home, but she didn't greet Becky at the door as usual. And when Becky went through the house, she found her daughter in the dining room, laying in a pool of her own blood. At around 3 p.m., 911 operators received the distress call. Becky described her daughter's state that it looked like she had exploded. There was blood everywhere. To anyone who witnessed the scene, it was clear that most of Bobby Joe's bleeding was coming from her stomach, which had been cut open. The paramedics arrived, but they were unable to revive Bobby Joe. She was already dead by the time her mother had found her. On top of this horrific scene, one of the weirdest things that they realized was that Bobby Joe, being eight months pregnant, the fetus was missing. Now, when the news of her death reached Ratter Chatter, members immediately notified the police of Bobby Joe's scheduled meeting with Darlene Fisher. Now, at this point, authorities were welcoming any type of leads, and this was the only lead they had. A red Toyota Corolla had been spotted in the Stennett's driveway. Police also concluded there were no signs of forced entry, and any true crime fan knows that to investigators, this is an indication that a victim either knew their attacker or their attacker used a ruse to get into the home. Investigators searched Bobby Joe's online messaging history and found an email from Darlene. They traced the IP address of the sender and it led them to another couple. 
Lisa and Kevin Montgomery. The Montgomerys lived in Kansas. The authorities drove to Kansas to question the Montgomerys because they needed to find any information they could get, especially if it would lead them to the whereabouts of Bobby Joe's baby and Darlene. The authorities only had Darlene as the real suspect at this time. When they arrived at the Montgomery residence, they noticed, hey, look at that. There is a red Toyota. It matched the description of the vehicle seen at the Stennett's. They get there, they knock at the door. Lisa Montgomery answers the door, holding a newborn child in her arms. She invites the investigators in and the officers notice that the baby looks premature. And the baby also had wounds on her face. So this is a really odd situation. What are the odds that Lisa would have a newborn child with her, let alone one that looks premature, lacerations on her face? If you weren't a medical professional and you cut a baby from the mother's womb, it's likely that you would hurt the baby in the process. Lisa claimed she had just given birth, only she couldn't produce any paperwork. To investigators, this is an obvious red flag, and it became clear that her story's not adding up. Lisa Montgomery also was another rat terrier enthusiast, just like Bobby Joe and she regularly participated in dog events. She was also active in ratter chatter. According to other members of the group, the two met online and bonded not only of their obsession with dogs, but also over their pregnancies. Little did Bobby Joe know, Lisa was not actually pregnant. Of course, Bobby Joe did not suspect that Darlene and Lisa were the same person. It was a fake persona Lisa created to get to Bobby Joe. Most likely she did not want to be tied to the murder and kidnapping she was planning. Now nobody really knows what exactly happened when Lisa, also known as Darlene, arrived at Bobby Joe's home. Did Bobby Joe immediately recognized her. More than likely, she had because they had already met through dog events and ratter chatter. Regardless, Lisa was able to gain entry to the Stennett's home. And at some point, she attacked Bobby Joe and strangled her until she fell unconscious. The autopsy concludes that Bobby Joe was still alive when Lisa tried to cut her open. Though the autopsy results suggest she woke up in the middle of Lisa's improvised C-section, the pregnant Bobby Joe was already too weak and wounded at that point. Lisa subdued her victim and continued to slice her open and then runs off with her daughter. Despite being too weak to escape, Bobby Joe did manage to scratch her attacker and get some of Lisa's DNA under her nails. It was that DNA evidence that added to the mounting evidence the FBI collected from Lisa's car and was ultimately used to cement the case against Lisa Montgomery. Now, as we're talking about diagnosing danger signs, let's talk about Lisa Montgomery's life a little bit. 
because her life might as well have been ripped off an episode of Criminal Minds. She was born on February 27, 1968 with permanent brain damage. This was the result of her mother's heavy drinking during pregnancy. This brain damage made her an easy target for constant abuse from her family. Her stepfather began molesting her when she was 11 years old. Her mother, Judy Shaughnessy, later testified to the rape of her own child at the hands of her husband. Knowing that Lisa's own mother was aware of the abuse of her daughter and didn't do anything about it is just disgusting. But what makes it worse is she also abused her daughter. Throughout Lisa's adolescent years, she prostituted Lisa for money. It was around this time that they also observed Lisa beginning to disassociate from reality. She began drinking and fell into her own world of make-believe. The school she went to suspected there was abuse in her home, but didn't do anything to check up on the student. When she was 17, Judy prodded Lisa to get together with her own stepbrother, Carl Bowman. It's unclear why Judy would even try to set the two of them up together. Perhaps she just wanted to get rid of Lisa? Even though marriage meant she was free of her mother and her stepfather, Lisa's life really didn't change that much. Carl, her stepbrother and husband, only continued the cycle of abuse. During their marriage, Lisa became pregnant four times. Though this didn't change her abusive relationship with Carl, she did find solace in her pregnancies. Contrary to the rest of her upbringing, the attention she received while pregnant was positive, and that's what Lisa craved. But after her fourth and final pregnancy, Carl and Judy forced Lisa to get her tubes tied. It was at this time Lisa started developing pseudocyesis or phantom pregnancies. A phantom pregnancy is a rare disorder in which a woman truly believes she's with child. During this time, the woman may even experience pregnancy symptoms. They develop a baby bump and get morning sickness. They do all the things a pregnant woman does, except for the baby. Experts believe that the cause of phantom pregnancy is the extreme desire to be pregnant. It facilitates those hormones. She craved that positive attention that came with carrying a baby so much that she physically manifested the symptoms. But Carl, her husband, knew it was impossible. They fought over Lisa's false pregnancies to the point of divorce. Lisa eventually got remarried to a man named Kevin Montgomery. He wasn't aware that his new wife underwent tubal sterilization and had no reason to doubt Lisa when she claimed she was pregnant. Twice prior to Bobby Joe Stennett's murder, Lisa claimed to be pregnant with Kevin's baby, only to later say she'd had an abortion or a miscarriage. That is until December of 2004, when she called Kevin to let him know that she just had given birth to a baby girl named Abigail. 
It's strange to think that Kevin never realized Lisa wasn't really pregnant. But according to reports, the couple's work schedules didn't match, so they rarely slept in the same bed. Plus, Kevin was described as lacking in social skills, so he could have just as easily have been manipulated by anyone. After the two previous unsuccessful pregnancies, Kevin was just happy to finally have a baby girl to show off to everyone. Why would he question his little miracle? He was even quoted saying, I held that baby proudly. And it was indeed not their baby, but the kidnapped daughter of Bobby Joe Stennett. But why did she do it? Although Lisa never revealed her motive, investigators believe that Lisa felt pressure. Pressure from her ex-husband, Carl Bowman. He was threatening to go to court to gain full custody of their children. Also, don't forget, he's also her stepbrother. So he's threatening to get custody of the kids, and he was going to use Lisa's phantom pregnancies against her. That meant Carl was going to reveal Lisa habitually lied about being pregnant. Not only would Lisa lose custody of her children, the revelation of her phantom pregnancies could ruin her marriage. Lisa thought that if she couldn't prove she wasn't lying about being pregnant, she would lose to Carl in court, lose her kids, and betray Kevin's trust. Strangely, the solution to this would be brutally murder an innocent woman and steal her baby from her womb. With a mountain of evidence against her, Lisa Montgomery confesses to the murder of Bobby Stennett. She was charged with kidnapping resulting in death. Despite numerous appeals, Lisa Montgomery remained on death row. On January 13, 2021, she received the lethal injection at 52 years old. This made her the first woman to be executed by the United States federal government since 1953. If there's a happy update to this story, it's that Victoria Joe Stennett, the kidnapped baby of Bobby Joe, was eventually reunited with her father, Zeb. Miraculously, she didn't suffer any lifelong physical injuries and should now be 18 years old. Her mother, Bobby Jo Stennett, she would have been 41. Now, as you can see, sometimes the deadly intent of others, it can be hidden. But other times, their warning signs are waving loud and bright in front of us. There is a Reddit warning all of those of Allie Burroughs and all of the aliases she uses on social media. There are all the different pictures, the links, and all of the things that she does. There is also a petition requesting to ban her from TikTok. Whatever your feelings might be on that. I am glad that those things exist. If there is a pregnant young mom or a naive young mother that might think about turning the care of her little ones over to this young woman, I hope they come across their, her social media or some of her pictures and think twice, at least until she gets the help that she needs 
and comes to terms with whatever it is she's dealing with. I want to thank all of you for listening. Don't forget to share, like, subscribe, and don't forget to forward all of those unsolved cases, all of those missing persons. They can't get solved until they get awareness. Our brand will be changing soon, so look for that. It's been a wild ride with all of you social detectives. Without you, we could not raise awareness on these cases. We will get answers. Until then, be aware and be safe.